This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. Welcome to this week's episode of Conversations with Jeff. I'm really excited. We've got Paige Rogers here with us. Um, and, you know, most of you guys know her from the last couple of weeks of writing that article about John MacArthur and Martin Luther King. And so we'll kind of, you know, get into some of that kind of stuff. But overall, you know, welcome, Paige, and glad we could sit down and talk. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. And so, you know, everybody's favorite part of the series pretty much is giving you the chance to kind of share your testimony, how you became a Christian and kind of get to know you a little bit. So kind of want to give you, you know, a few minutes to kind of share your story and how you became a Christian. Um, well, I was raised, raised Christian. Mm-hmm. I, I can't really remember ever not being Christian. Uh, my, I come from a family, uh, <clears throat> that's pretty devout on both sides. So my dad's family is Catholic. My mother's family is, is Lutheran, German Lutheran. And that's, you know, like oil and water mm-hmm. together. So yeah. they raised us Episcopalian. And when I was just an itty bitty little thing, they moved us out of the city to get away from, uh, to, to take us into a better school system. that was safer. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't an Episcopal church in the area, so my parents founded our church um, when I was just a uh, little bitty. So that's where I grew up, was at our little Episcopal church. Uh, we started out in a basement of the old commu- of the old high school, actually, from the 1920s or something like that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and eventually built our own building. Um, and I, I can just always remember... Christ being such a part of my life, I, uh, I'm so blessed to have a supportive Christian family. Uh, I used to get picked on a whole lot, and God was that rock. Mm-hmm. He was always there. He was always there. He was the friend I needed. So I just always looked to him growing up, just always, um, of course, since I was raised Episcopalian, I assume people will <laughs> wonder about uh, where I am now, given the current state of things. And I did, uh, I did leave. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Unfortunately, it, yeah. it was it was a rough road. It was a rough road. Yeah. Um, we had a split in the early two thousands, and. Unfortunately, our priest who we loved dearly, and a small group of people had engaged in some not so honest efforts financially mm-hmm. in gearing us toward that split. So we did we did not follow. We actually stayed with the Episcopal Church. Okay, because it was our church. I mean, I absolutely yeah. loved there. 
painted every wall. It's like, I, I still have the key. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it, but it was finally just a couple years ago that we we left. We had to leave because of the national denomination going down. But um, <clears throat> so it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle, mm-hmm. um, and that has really affected uh, my outlook because even though I feel like I kind of lost my church and had to start over again and find a new church, uh, God was there with me. The body is alive. The true body of Christ is alive. Mm -hmm. For sure. So it's just been such a blessing. Um, I know last year when my dad and my nephew passed away, it was suddenly like both of them within a two day period. Wow. Neither was expected. Mm-hmm. I thought I should not be breathing. Like how is my body even breathing? How have I, how am I, how am I living? How is my sister living? How is my mother living? How are we not dead in, in, in our sorrow? And it, you just, you absolutely felt it. It was such uh, it was just really divine support. Mm-hmm. And so he's just always been a big part of my life and got me through some really bad times. And thank you, Jesus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad for people who don't have God in their life, Christ in their life. Cause I think about that time and I think, how do they get through it? Mm-hmm. I don't know how they do, but he still helps them too. Yeah. Well, and that, and that's the interesting thing too, looking at, um, you know, a lot of people that aren't Christians and that sort of thing, it's kind of like they don't know any different to a certain degree, and I'm sure they cope with things differently and whatever it is, but for those of us that are saved and we're looking back or we're looking at the world, it's like, how do you even get through any of this stuff without that rock, without, you know, God being there and supporting you and encouraging you and that sort of thing? It's just, it's kind of mind-boggling coming from the Christian side looking out into the world. Definitely. And then you realize, wait a second, he created everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> He's still going to support them. So uh, it, the whole thing was very humbling. But but it is it does make me sad because I know that they must still feel very alone. Mm-hmm. I know that I get to see my family again. Yeah. And I, I it just it's so it just makes me so sorrowful that um, some people don't have that hope. Yeah, for sure. You know, and it's and it's even just looking at a lot of the problems that society's having in general, it just seems like most of that's because they don't have the hope. You know, they're trying to fill that void. They're trying to, you know, whether it's drugs or alcohol or entertainment or, you know, whatever it is. And it's just this constant need to feel fulfilled or feel something. And I feel like obviously they never get there. So it's, it's, it's really a blessing to have, you know, obviously have God here with us all the time. So, um, well, so then you know, now you're doing, you know, journalism and writing and that sort of thing. What led you into that path? Um, I actually had to write a lot for, I, I was a teacher. I taught early childhood and <clears throat> I had to write a lot for that because we did not do standard report cards. We did narratives. So I was writing, uh, these linking narratives three times a year. Uh, I guess I was just used to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I kind of found a niche. Um, 
then after we left our church, I left after the Ober, Obergfeld decision. Mm-hmm. And for and, and for and for people who don't know what that is, what what was that? That was the Supreme Court ruling legalizing same-sex marriage. Mm-hmm. Shortly after that, the Episcopal Church of the United States um, announced that people priests who wished to do so could begin marrying homosexual couples. Okay. That was the last. That was the last straw for me. It was the official abandonment of the church, abandoning faithful people who had tried to fight for biblical Christianity and who had suffered and cried and sweated and just given all that they had to really save that church. And it was just a a complete abandonment Mm. of most of its congregants. And my mother stayed a little longer, and mom and dad. They had a little bit harder time. Mm-hmm. They began that church. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and it was hard for me, too. I still cry about it. I still cry about it. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's your church home, you know? Like, you know, I, I had that somewhat in the sense of, like, you know, from the age of eight all the way up until I was, you know, practically through high school. You know, it was like that was that was our church home, and then it went through a split, and it's like, now what? That was like, that was our home. You know, same thing with my wife, with her church that she grew up with. It's like, it was an old Swedish church, hundred years old or whatever it is. And it's still kind of like, that's, that's still church home, even though we don't, don't even live in that city. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. And our church wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. I, I just felt really uncomfortable being yoked to the national church. I, I, I felt like it was wrong to do that. I didn't want to be yoked to that sin. Mm-hmm. Um, it was harder for my parents. They left a little bit later. It was after a new minister came. And he was a social justice warrior through and through. Mm-hmm. And he said some very hurtful things and really irresponsible things. Um, he began talking about the police as all being racist. Mm-hmm. We had several families who I've grown up with who it's generations of police officers. Yeah. And that was it for them. They left. Um, and, I, and I think that's what finally sent my mom out the door was, wait a second. <laughs> Why? Why? You can't just call this entire group of people racist. That's so wrong. What are you doing? I mean, it was, but it was, it was sermon after sermon after sermon. It, it was, yeah. it was bizarre. It was bizarre. He's gone now. Yeah. It's prob- <laughs> probably, probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> but I'm close with all of um, the people who still attend there. They mm. all know why I left. Uh, they support me. A lot of them feel exactly the same way. Some don't. Most do. But this is such. This is just such a difficult situation where I mean, you just don't know what to do. You feel like you're caught between a rock and a hard place. Um, but they're so welcoming and so loving. So we still um, we still share that fellowship. Um, we're still very close, and I love seeing them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but to make the, a long story short, um, <clears throat> it, it was sort of after that that I began my website because there was no wasn't really much Anglican voice out there saying this is wrong. We're reducing people to their exteriors or we're reducing people to a temptation, to a sin. And we're labeling them like them like this. And the entire um this entire secular social justice push that has infected the church. That is ground zero. That is what I know. That's what I'm used to. And, and it, it destroyed the church. And women are especially susceptible to it because we're emotional. And we feel, you know, we feel sympathy for people and so on and so forth. And, and, and it's so hard to even find any great or, or, or trustworthy uh, women's Bible studies. They're all fluffy up mm. and, you know, blah, 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 blah. Oh, <laughs> so I just felt led to begin my own website to actually put that voice of opposition out there through my art and especially for women, because like I said, there's no voice. We're, we are constantly fed this soft soap malarkey. It's all emotional. It's how you feel about this and listen to this and yeah. Don't even don't even get me started on that. <laughs> Well, I mean in, in all reality it's it seems break through the this 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 crap. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean in, in all reality it seem, it seems like in general Bible studies in general are typically along those lines. Um but I feel like you know growing up, you know my mom would go to Bible study and things like that and it was typically Beth Moore or you know somebody along those lines which Back then, I mean, everybody always considered her solid. You look at her now, it's like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> so it's just, it's crazy what Bible study in general has been reduced to. It is. It is. It's so many, and this is a, this is a huge problem, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought her up. Yeah. But it's not just Beth. Sorry, Beth, I love you as a, as a sister in Christ. Mm-hmm. Gone down the wrong path, my friend. <laughs> I think she started out good with enthusiasm, and then it's just—I I don't know. It's just like I think she's hearing her own thoughts, and she's thinking it's God. Mm-hmm. So if you read her books, it's—it's—it's it's, it's the prosperity gospel recycled as self-help. It's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's it's a constant sales pitch, and it's self improvement. There's nothing about reading the stories. One of her Bible studies, she mixes, and, and I'm having a blank on on. I think it was David. I don't know. I can't remember right now. But she took an event that was specifically about him. And it's the very first lesson of this of this Bible study video series. Turns it around and then puts it back on the audience, and it's a totally different story. <laughs> it's a totally different story with an entirely different meaning that's never conveyed. Yeah. <laughs> and nobody knows. So I mean, it's just a it's a huge problem. I have I have my mama. I've got three big sisters, mm-hmm. and best 
was very, very, very popular. Yeah. Especially she... in evangelical churches. I've got three sisters who were in the evangelical churches. Mm-hmm. And my mother now attends an evangelical church. Yeah. And it's constant Beth Moore. Yep. Well, you know, what's what's interesting is that and I've and I've always said that when you look at churches and when they start going downhill, usually the 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 error is typically coming through two two ministries. Typically, it's coming through either the women's ministry through the Bible studies and things like that that they're using, or it's coming in through the youth ministry because they're going all, the, all to all the youth camps by you know a lot of the wacko crazy guys because they're entertaining. And so it's I feel like that would be one area where I feel like the church really needs to you know kind of you know, figure out who's legit and who's not in within those two specific ministries, because it seems like it's always either the word of faith, prosperity people that are writing the, you know, in all reality, the, um, the Bible studies for both youth and, and the women's ministries for, for whatever reason, it's those two specifically. And I'm not really sure why. I don't know. Well, theoretically, in terms of just the bottom line, the bottom dollar, Mm-hmm. Women are huge consumers, so that's going to be a big seller right there. Yeah. Um, women are also consumers for their kids. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, I remember my mother always buying me books. Same here. And, I remember and I, we, our our Sunday afternoon after church would be we're going to go to the Christian bookstore and pick a book to read. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that, um, and I feel like also. There's almost a structural crutch to where, um, okay, let me contrast this with my own youth group when I was growing up. Sure. Uh, our, our Bible studies, our youth group, we didn't have a curriculum. We read the Bible <clears throat> and studied. We would read sections and we would talk about it. So it was very much like our church services. It's very, very scripture heavy. Mm-hmm. And you're reading four sections of scripture every time and, and chunks of it. And they're usually related. So you'll have um, prophecy from Isaiah to show about the New Testament and Christ. So they relate to each other. Um, so we didn't really have a curriculum. There, was, there were no materials. We had our Bibles. We sat down and we read the Bible together, uh, and, and then we would study. And somewhere along the lines, I almost feel like um, it youth group or Bible studies have taken on a more educational approach in terms of business. As an educator, I can tell you that the biggest business in America is education. It is the biggest business in America mm-hmm. and it's structured and there's all this curriculum. And so I feel like that came into the church and now it's a crutch to where people are like, we, we feel like we have to have a curriculum or we don't know what to do. I don't know how to lead Bible study if I don't have a plan in front of me mm-hmm. when sometimes it may just be better to sit down and read. Yeah. Well, I, th- I feel like, Looking at the church, and, I, and I've written about this in the past and that sort of thing, um, but it seems as if what's happened is we have seminary where pastors go to get trained before they you know, become a pastor and that sort of thing. 
But now it seems as if people feel inferior if they don't have that seminary degree. And to where it's almost like only if you have that degree or that credibility or whatever it is, are you able to lead Bible study or preach from the pulpit or, you know, whatever that is. And so then you have all these people that feel inferior and it's like, well, I can't, how can I in, rightly interpret God's word? I need a crutch of somebody else to do it. So that way it's not falling onto me. And I feel like it's kind of stunting everybody because now nobody feels like they can learn anything on their own. Now they have to rely on books or Bible studies or, you know, sermon prep or, you know, whatever it is from all the, you know, a lot of guys with doctorate degrees and, and that sort of thing. And it's, I feel like it's, a, it's this crutch and it's like, we should all be learning how to study God's word ourselves. Rely on God's word. Don't rely on your favorite celebrity pastor, but for whatever reason, it's rely on the favorite celebrity pastor. And it's just, it's kind of, it's leading the church down the wrong path for sure. And that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point, and I and I haven't considered that, but I actually do see that as well. Um, and that is something that's a bit new to me, because it's not that way in the Anglican tradition. And, uh, and, and for people who don't know, um, the Episcopalian Church. It's called the Episcopal Church in America. It's called the Episcopal Church. But the faith tradition is called Anglican, and it's uh, it's worldwide, um, and there are just different jurisdictions. So they're in communion together, but there's no authority. There's no pope. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want a pope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I say Anglican, if, if I start using those terms interchangeably in this conversation, I do want people to know they're just synonymous. Right. If, if I say Episcopal, it, it will be specifically for the American church. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what you're talking about is not really in the Anglican tradition. The So this is very new to me, and I'm just observing this kind of as I'm going out into the evangelical world and especially in, um, as I was searching for a church, um, I, I picked up on that and, and it's very different. It's very different because, um, in the Episcopal church and the Anglican church, the lady is very involved. Everyone is expected to minister, to be apostolic, and essentially, when we say apostolic, we're talking about um, evangelize. We're supposed to evangelize the world. We're, we're each a part of the ministry. And so we participate in the services. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might go <clears throat> and lead the congregation in reading songs, in reading a section of songs, and we read together. Um, another person may um, help serving communion wine. Now, the priest will always serve the bread, uh, but a congregate often helps um, deliver the wine. Um, If someone is sick and they can't attend church and they miss miss communion, the communion will still be blessed, and we have a special box where you take it to the sick person and, and a member of the laity there with the minister, and he'll bless bless it and bless you, and you go and you serve the sick person in the hospital 
the communion they miss and, and read through the and read through the um the readings for that day with them. And so there, it's it's very different there's not so much uh, inferiority. I guess you don't feel inferior. Okay. You do feel inferior to the priest because, I mean, it's the priest. Right. But, and you respect the priest. Mm-hmm. It's like you're the pastor. Right. Um, but it's very much a communal situation, and there's even though the church is structured as a hierarchy in individual churches, there's not much hierarchy because mm-hmm. it's just, everyone is considered a part of the ministry and you all have this role to play. Right. Well, you know, that's, I mean, that's even what you're saying. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, th- and I think, you know, even looking at scripture, I feel like a lot of times we, um, we look at and we make a big deal about the elders and the pastors and that sort of thing. But in all reality, I mean, there was the, there was the elders and pastors, which was interchangeable in, you know, in the New Testament, that sort of thing. But then you had the deacons and they were the ones that, that did all the rest of the stuff besides the, the preaching from God's word on Sundays or, you know, leading the church and that sort of thing. Like they were the ones, like you were saying that will help with communion or, you know, work with the sick and, you know, that sort of thing. In all reality, Virtually everybody, as long as they're a biblically, essentially qualified Christian, they should be a qualified deacon going out, mm-hmm. ministering to people. But for whatever reason, I, and maybe, maybe in all reality, maybe it is the business structure of church right now is we need to sit back and let the real qualified people do the ministry. You know what I mean? And I feel like that ends up burning out the, the pastors, but then it also stunts our growth because we're not we're not in community with each other. We're not ministering to, to each other and that sort of thing. Um, and so uh, I was going to ask you as well. So, you know, your Twitter handle is the painting pastor. How, how does, how does that, how does that come into play? Cause I feel like there's a misunderstanding in there and it may be like kind of like a loss in translation in the sense of, because you are coming from a more Anglican background, whereas a lot of us come from more Baptist or reformed or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, when you, when you say that, what, what are you referring to, uh, by the painting pastor or a pastor in general for you? Yes. And, and, and I've noticed that there's a confusion and I had no clue that there would be because yeah. <laughs> it's just so foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Um, pastor is not really used in maybe in some jurisdictions, like maybe in other countries. Mm-hmm. I'm not I've never, ever once heard of an Anglican pastor. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> because we don't have that title. <laughs> right. Uh, so to me, a pastor is someone below a priest. Mm-hmm. The priest is like the head honcho. He's the guy. Yeah. And and I'm very conservative. I, I want my priests to be men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe. I genuinely believe that. The church is supposed to mimic the family. Mm-hmm. The entire Bible is communicated with these beautiful images of familial relations from beginning to end. We relate to our father as our father, the church, the bride. So I definitely feel like uh, uh, the church should mimic the family. And I think that the man is the head of the family. Mm-hmm. Call me old fashioned, but that's what I believe. I genuinely believe that. Yeah. Um, however, 
in, in the Anglican Church, like I said, you are all expected to be part of the ministry. And so for me, pastor was below, pastor is like below priest. Mm-hmm. But um, I paint. And so in my on my website, uh, when I'm trying to cut through some of this uh, misinformation, especially toward women, I, I paint. And I, and I take different steps along the way. So, for example, I was working on a painting where I had cut up small squares of aluminum foil and glued them on the canvas and then painted on top. So then I took my dish brush and was just scrubbing the stew out of it to try to make the aluminum foil peek through. And it was so much harder than I expected it to be. I mean, I had to scrub and scrub and scrub. And I thought, oh, this is just like Adam in the garden. Because everybody thinks the Garden of Eden was this wonderful place where no one had to work. But in reality, Adam had to tend the garden. So I would take a picture of that and share that part of the story. Mm -hmm. Because work is good for you. It's good for the soul. Right. Um, And because it is... A ministerial blog, Anglican-wise, ministerial, where every one of us are a part of the ministry. I'm ordained just for that artistic blog. Mm-hmm. I do not teach. I do not preach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but and and again, pastor is is not priest mm-hmm. for us. Um, I still have a hard time. My husband and I were married in the Lutheran Church, and I still have the hardest time saying pastor in front of his <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah. well, you, well, you know, I, I think that... I always want to say father such and such. Right. Well, I, 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 think, I think that, you know, in all reality, there, there is that difference in translation in the sense of, you know, for most of us that are in the evangelical, you know, Reformed Baptist backgrounds, you know, pastor and elder would be the equivalent of like what you're saying with the priest. And then deacons would be the equivalent of what you're referring to as pastor. And so I think, so I think that what's happening right now is because I feel like a lot of the people that have been critical of you, they've been critical of you calling yourself a pastor. But I think you're not meaning pastor in the same way that we're meaning pastor. It doesn't mean it. It doesn't mean the same thing at all. Right. It's right. Like a, it's 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 like you said, a deacon or or someone in the ministry. So mm-hmm. like in the English. We have titles for these different ministries. Mm-hmm. So like, I was an acolyte. That's technically ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get ordained specifically as a, um, through the Anglican Church as a lay pastor. I'm not, because I left the Anglican Church, I'm not ordained through them. Okay. Um, but again, that would be above pastor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> um, it's just it's just a difference of, of translation. Mm-hmm. It's a difference of vocabulary. So when I say uh, pastor, I don't mean priest. Mm-hmm. Because for me, priest is the leader of a church. So um, John MacArthur would be a priest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that, and, and that, that, make, that makes sense. Especially, and I think that it's important to kind of clear that up because, you know, there's been... You know, and you and I both know there's been a handful of people that have just gone off the rails on that one point. And I keep saying, 
it's being lost in translation and they're like no it's not it's the same and i'm like no you have you have to under- it's just like you're learning a different it's like you're learning a different language or different cultures like different cultures could use the same word but it has three different meanings depending on where you, which part of the country you're part of you know and so i th- i think it's imp- it's important to if we're going to critique something or debate something we need to understand what each other means by the words that we're using and that sort of thing um so i was I, so i w- was going to kind of Oh, you know what? Yeah. Even apostle does not translate exactly, right. which mm-hmm. I learned yeah. <laughs> when I waited into a conversation and I used it wrong, apparently. Yeah. Because, like I said, for us, apostle is you, you are you are in the succession of the apostles, not as in the apostles, but as in an evangelist. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to go spread the word. Right. So it means evangelist. Doesn't mean like you're one of the apostles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but for other people, if you say you're an apostle, they're like, "You're not an apostle." And you're like, "Oh, I didn't mean it like that." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and again, it's why it's so important to not only use your own understanding of terminology and words, but you need to try. You need to try to figure out what the other side is talking about and what they're referring to when they say certain things and that sort of thing. And I think that that's where you know. And as you know, there's twi- there's Twitter debates galore happening and a lot of it i think is just misunderstandings in general and everybody's just talking past each other because they're not taking the time to actually learn what the other side is is saying to a certain degree um saved is another one we mm-hmm. don't use saved. okay what do you what do you use instead there isn't really a there isn't really a crossover interesting okay um i guess believer okay interesting so I, I I hadn't heard that one. So and that's redeemed interesting. Is different. So we use redeemed, but and, and and correct me if I'm wrong because I'm learning all of this too. I don't understand the terms either. So okay. it's kind of a, a back and forth. Totally. Uh, but from from what I think I'm gathering, the redeemed would be used as more of a. Um, like a permanent state. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. And so like, we don't use it as a permanent state. We use it as like you've, you've, you stumbled and fell and you're redeemable. Okay. As in, Oh, you sinned. You're, you know, you can be forgiven and get back up. So it's, it's not, it's not in reference to salvation. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. I had a conversation with someone the other day and we were using the same words and I said, I don't think I'm using the same word in this. <laughs> I don't think, I, I think we're using the same word, but we're not talking about the same things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, and like I keep saying, it, it's, it's important that we know what each other is referring to when we say things. Cause it's so easy to create a huge, insane Twitter fight over using the same word that means something completely different. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so I kind of want to get back and ask you. So when when you because right because right now you are writing articles, you know you're in journalism, you know that sort of thing. Um, and I know you said you were writing a lot when you were in education and that sort of thing. But what what really got you into, you know, because I feel like a lot of the stuff you've been doing is, has been more, more investigative, or at least a lot of the stuff that I've seen. Um, what got you down that path? Uh inquisitiveness yeah (laughs) (laughs) and 
um, the website was looking for a writer, and I just thought, I don't know, I'll send something in, and maybe <laughs> they'll accept me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, inquisitiveness. Okay. Um, when I taught, we used a method of instruction called the project approach uh, through the Duke School. It, it, it's uh, like a, 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 say you learn about one specific topic for eight whole weeks, mm-hmm. and, and it's investigatory. So the point is to kind of you're teaching the kids how to learn, how to find information, mm-hmm. to seek and to pique their curiosity and get them to ask questions. Yeah. This was early childhood. <laughs> so it would be a little bit different in older grades. But right. um, so I just, I don't know. I'm just curious anyway. And we did that a lot when I taught. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I, I observe the events of the world and, and I just have questions. And if I have questions, I want to find out the answers. So I don't know. That's just me. Mm-hmm. My mom calls me an egghead and her little geek. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you really are a geek. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, well, then journalism's a, a good profession to be in. <laughs> so, so then let's let's get on to about things. You what? I'm very very passionate about yeah about issues. So mm, I can right. fit in. Yeah. Okay. So so let's get into this whole MacArthur thing and the article that you wrote on Knock Report. And that sort of thing. So let let's give people a rundown of the the you know the main parts of the story. Because I feel like a lot of the people that are going to watch this podcast or listen to this podcast, they know the they know the, the general sense of it. But what are like the main the main points that made you feel like okay, this is an article that's worth writing and that's important for people to read and understand. That's a tough question. Mm-hmm. It kind of came in stages. <laughs> so I wasn't necessarily sure about it at first. Mm-hmm. And it kind of came in stages. I was interested immediately. Skeptical but interested because where I live um, and because of who the subject was. And I had just signed the social justice in the gospel statement. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I want to say that it was after hearing from Dr. Evers and his insistence and genuineness and sincerity, I... It, it, it made me feel especially obligated to at least fulfill his request. Mm-hmm. At least follow it through. There may be, you know, there may be the other side. There's a, a, um, a misunderstanding. So let's do both. But at least wanted to honor his request. Mm-hmm. So when, when you spoke to Evers... So you actually spoke with them because I know that there was there was the interview that was posted in your article, mm-hmm. but obviously that wasn't you. Uh, but you actually spoke with him as well directly, and so mm-hmm. the information that you're writing about and you're quoting from and that sort of thing that's from your conversation with him. It's not reliant on this other audio interview. No, no, absolutely not. 
um, he agreed to a recorded interview with me. And I had downloaded an app because I've, I've never done a recorded interview. <laughs> I've usually just taken notes. Right. I thought, no, if he's going to do it, then yes. So I downloaded an app, and it didn't work, so I didn't get any of it. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I only had my notes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we had to go with the other one. <laughs> yeah. I also, I had I called the Mississippi NAACP the same day as I spoke with him. And the uh, lady I spoke with over the phone was very nice. And, and, and I asked if I could record it just for my own notes. I wasn't going to uh, put, put anything in the article I was because I was looking for information. Mm-hmm. And I, I was hoping to get uh, audio notes, basically. Okay. And she said yes. And then the app worked halfway. I only got my voice and none of her answers. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So then I just deleted it. Yeah. And I passed $5.99 for that stupid thing. <laughs> <laughs> so then I deleted it and downloaded a different one and tested it out a bunch before I tried to call Mr. MacArthur so that I would actually have something that worked. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, well, let, here, let, let's back up a little bit in the sense of let's break down the story a little bit. So, because I feel like there's three, maybe four major issues that basically make this a story right so so the first the first part is where john macarthur was when he found out about the the assassination of martin luther king um and so there's obviously a discrepancy in the accounts can you kind of quickly you know share you know what macarthur's saying versus the research that you found out right okay so basically what i did <clears throat> when I started looking into this was I took, like you're saying, key points because accounts will vary slightly, just like the information in the gospel will vary. And I tried to look at the main points because I wanted to at least be able to verify, I wanted to verify Mr. Ever's story and Mr. McArthur's story. Pastor McArthur's, excuse me. <clears throat> so one of those points was where these men were upon learning that Martin Luther King Jr. had been shot. Uh, Mr. Evers has consistently said in his vehicle on his way to Natchez, Mm -hmm. Mississippi, from Jackson to Natchez. And John Perkins, in a 2018 account, actually on the 50th anniversary he said that he was informed of Martin Luther King's shooting um, after he had gotten back from preaching the gospel in a rural school and a lady and some children ran up to him and informed him. And then Pastor MacArthur says that he was with both Charles Evers and John Perkins in the um, Mississippi NAACP office of Charles Evers when a man ran through the door and exclaimed, Martin Luther King has been assassinated. And so those, there, there is no congruence there. (laughs) There is no agreement there. They are all different. Mm -hmm. Very, very different. Um, So that was the first 
point that I looked into. Mm -hmm. The next one involved um, the three men traveling to Memphis together that evening and visiting um, the crime scenes in Memphis. Mm -hmm. The balcony where Dr. King was shot, as well as the bathroom and the boarding houses directly across the street. Mm -hmm. Um, As noted in the article, the police exited the balcony scene. They finished processing the balcony scene at 11 p.m. There were a couple police officers, and you can find this in the police report, who stayed across the street outside, but across the street from the hotel, uh, casting footprints. Mm -hmm. And then the bathroom, those officers left at 11 as well. However, the bathroom was um, completely sealed and guarded um, by officers until 8.15 the next morning where no one was allowed in. The congressional record says that it was sealed off from it. Even the residents who lived there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just trying to figure out what parts are, were possible. Yeah. You're going to understand because all of these events were very different. Right. So trying to make sense of it. And, and a part of that process was seeing what was possible. Mm-hmm. Right. For sure. And, and I think, and I think we can kind of break down almost like each point progressively in the sense of, you know the in MacArthur's accounts, he says that they 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 were literally there at the crime scene within hours, and it seems like from your research, that would have been virtually impossible if not if if not at the very least very difficult. Um, and you know and then and then now now guys like Phil Johnson and Han Cho and Fred Butler and guys like that are trying to throw in the mix. Well. By a few hours, he could have maybe meant a few days, or at the very least, the next day, or that sort of thing. Um, how, how does that play into your research, and how that all kind of plays out? Just even the simple fact of when he actually could have been there, or claims to have been there. I, I think it's certainly possible that he he could have he could have gone to Memphis that night. Mm-hmm. I don't. I do not believe he penetrated that bathroom. Okay. Absolutely not. It is doubtful that he made it past the exterior to the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> however, he could have gone there several days later. Mm-hmm. The only confusion for me is in the statement in response to my article um, that Pastor MacArthur, it was, it was just maybe like three sentences or something. Yeah. He, uh, he again said, I was with him that night. Mm-hmm. I was with him at that time. Yeah. Here, I, I, ha- I have that quote. Let me just read it really quick right here, just so that way we're not, like, misquoting or, you know, whatever it is. Um, Thank you. MacArthur said, I'm not surprised he doesn't remember me. I was just a young unknown. I have never said I was in the car with him, but I was absolutely with that group of men who traveled to Memphis. I have great love for John Perkins and a genuine respect for Charles Evers. I'm honored to have been in their presence on that monumental occasion. But with all the trauma, I'm not surprised Charles Evers doesn't remember me. However, my relationship with John Perkins has continued through the years. So that that is the only statement that we have from MacArthur regarding this story, which doesn't really clear up anything. <laughs> no, and the statements from 
and tell me how to pronounce his name. Is it Han? Uh, let me see here. It, it, I, I believe it's Han Cho. I believe off the top of my head. Let me see if I have his name on here somewhere. Yeah, H O H N Cho. So Han Cho, I'm assuming. Okay, so Mr. Cho, and then Mr. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it's certainly possible that he came at a different time mm-hmm. and, and just is mixed up. But it's confusing to me that after, after Pastor MacArthur's statement, they then say, well, maybe he's mistaken. So I don't know. I mean, do they, do they believe him? Yeah. Or, or what really happened? Like, like that, that's, that's my thing is that I feel like the reason why this is important to understand his story and his account is because he's using this to give him credibility on his position on the social justice statement. And so, so that to me, that's why it's important to understand, was he actually there in that very critical time or wasn't he Um, at, you know, was he actually in the bathroom or wasn't he, was he really actually standing over the blood of MLK or wasn't he? Because he's using that as credibility of, look, I was there at this very, in his, in his words, this very, very critical time, I believe is, was his direct quote. And it's like, but were you? And again, it's not, it's not accusing him of lying, but maybe he's misremembering. Maybe he's mixing things up. There could be any number of things, but as of right now, it seems as if there's, they're saying everything stands as he's claimed in his story. And it's like, but does it? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, even, you know, in well, your... We know that he did not penetrate that bathroom because it was reprocessed the next morning and there were no additional footprints or fingerprints. So yeah. unless he was on a cloud, yeah. he didn't go into that well, bathroom. See, well, see, so so that's that's the interesting thing. So, so let's take the bathroom, right? Because we all know that there could be a slight possible chance that he broke through curfew that they had that night because they had curfew. So everything was closed down. Everything was shut down. You weren't legally allowed to be out after a certain period of time. He could have snuck past the police that were outside the perimeter, right? So yeah. then, so then now we're talking about an active crime scene where the shooter took the shot from. That, from your research, that seems to be where they had the most police presence. That was the most heavily guarded, you know, that sort of thing. And like you just said, there was no evidence of it. So now is he claiming that he tampered with a crime scene? I mean, <laughs> I don't know, but that would, I mean, it would be a really bad idea to just waltz into a crime scene. But I mean, now, if that's coming out now, does does that undo all of the evidence that was presented in court because it wasn't protected? That's a horrible thought. That's an awful thought. No, he wasn't there. So no. <laughs> so, I mean, they took even, even palm prints mm-hmm. from people who are around. Yeah. And, and, if, and if you're interested in looking at that. Go to our the Shelby County, Tennessee, the Shelby County Registrar. On the Registrar's website, you can listen to the dispatchers' live recordings. You'll hear them say, it's been confirmed the Reverend King has been shot. Former ring around the hotel, within seconds, seal it down, seal it down. The, the building, they immediately identify the building. Mm-hmm. They seal it down. Seconds, I mean, this is just, look at these, it's really actually if you listen to it, be very prepared because it's a little bit emotional. I mean, it, it, it's, it takes you by surprise. Mm-hmm. You don't realize 
that you're going to have a reaction. Right. And then you do. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, immediately, and then it's seal off the entire area. It's lickety-split. But there are crime scene photos. And there are palm prints and fingerprints from people who were there, mm-hmm. who were at the hotel, so forth. Um, they're via, in plain view for you on the registrar's website, as lo- along with the police reports, the FBI report, the district attorney report, um, a, a, lo- a lot of things. You can hear James Earl Ray's arraignment in court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, so basically what you're saying is that if MacArthur and the guys that he was with were able to get past the curfew get past the police perimeter, get into the room and then into the bathroom, there would have been documented police evidence of, oh, look, there's like five footprints here. There must have been more people involved, right? Absolutely. Is basically what it comes Absolutely. down to. Absolutely. They would have known. They mm-hmm. they even footprinted the bathtub, everything. Right. And he claimed... And so- they, were, they, they were very careful even taking measurements because... They knew that they were going to reprocess it the next day. And then they even were super careful because they knew that they may have to go back and reprocess it another time after that. Mm-hmm. And that is all written. And I think I, I have a screenshot of that exact uh, information in the article. Okay. So 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 basically, accor- according to all documented records, there wasn't four or five people snooping around the night of the assassination in the bathroom, in the room, or else they would have shown up fingerprints, footprints, that sort of thing. Um, the other side of it too, is that his description of the bathroom was wrong. And every single time he's told the story, it was, I stood on the toilet instead of standing in the bathtub. And, you know, in, in your article, you posted a, a, a photo of the bathroom and, and there's no possible way he stood on the toilet to look out. Right. You would be looking at, you, you can't see the balcony of the Lorraine. Mm-hmm. It, it's wrong direction. It's You're looking left at yeah. the Lorraine. You, you have to be in the bathtub and look right to even see the balcony. And it's a pretty hard right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and so, again, standing on a toilet is kind of a weird thing to do. <laughs> I mean... It's a weird thing to do. <laughs> like, to, like, to me, you would remember if I stood on a toilet or a bathtub, right? Like, that, the, like standing on a toilet is just... It, that's just weird. <laughs> I mean, I I just don't even know. So so then the so then the question is, is it possible that maybe he was there that night, but he was in a different room, in a different maybe even a different building? Because I know that there was that you had mentioned on Twitter there was a Time magazine photographer that took then shots, um, and he claims that he stood on the toilet, but it was in a different room if I if I remember correctly. So, um. I mean, would that would that be a thing? And I was aware of those photographs. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't know because basically the information went when I was trying to figure out. First, it started with me trying to figure out when they cleaned up the blood mm-hmm. and how well they could have cleaned it up to even verify that. Yeah. Um, although we again we know that the police left the balcony area at, at 11. We're still trying to verify that. Now, the problem with the photographs is a couple of them have been accredited to a photographer who was traveling with King doing a documentary. 
And according to a couple sources, they both worked for the same company. <clears throat> um, and so it is possible that their negatives may have been mixed up or combined. A roll of film put in with the other guy's name. So the, uh, the credit to the photographers is sometimes mixed up. Mm-hmm. Now, furthermore... I haven't been able to confirm exactly when they cleaned the blood, if it was that night or the next day. Whichever way, we know that that would have left blood on the balcony. They ended up having to remove that concrete slab because they couldn't get the blood out mm-hmm. and replace it, um, <clears throat> which requires chiseling the concrete out and then pouring a new slab. So, definitely, the blood there would have been blood spots for Pastor MacArthur to stand in. Mm-hmm. However, the other photographs that were supposedly taken at the same night contradict that because there's no blood. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, and, so, and, so, so you're, refer- and, you're referring to the photos that's coming out of the boarding house, right, towards Lor- the Lorraine Motel? And it's showing the balcony and that sort of thing? Yeah, well, there's several. There's uh, several um, people hugging. Pastor Campbell came in. He had already been there, and then he had left and gone home and then flew back into Memphis after King was shot. And so there's an image of him hugging. Um, Don't quote me on this, but I think it's Abernathy. Okay. If my memory serves. Um, And... So there's shots from across the street from, like, the derelict building that one of the photographers took. And then there is uh, one of the photographers standing on an adjacent balcony looking at that area with people standing there. Um, And Time released those photographs, Time Life released, released those photographs on two separate occasions as never before seen. But they were three years apart. Interesting. Same photographs as never before seen. So I don't know, I, I don't know what's going on there. Mm-hmm. But so then I started looking at the fact that there wasn't blood that was supposed to be taken at the same time. Um, Henry Gruskowski, uh, Gruskowski. Mm-hmm. Sounds right. I'm sorry, Henry. I'm mispronouncing your name. Um, he. <clears throat> For example, there's one photograph of Pastor Campbell on the balcony, and he believes it was taken right when he got there. However, he's standing where there would have been a thick pool of blood. What happens when um, your blood spills out is that it coagulates because it's, uh, first of all, the air, but also your blood will always still coagulate even if you're deceased. Mm-hmm. And so it, 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 it raises up. And if you look at the police photographs, you can see this, that it was risen from, from the concrete. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he would have been standing in, this is so gruesome to discuss, yeah. um, you know, like a, like a shallow you know, quagmire mm-hmm. of, of Dr. King's blood. And you cannot see any blood on the balcony in front of him. There's another photograph that's reportedly taken from the derelict building across the street. There the balcony area is pristine, 
Um, I, I, to be thorough, I contacted <clears throat> a, just to double check myself, I contacted a company that cleans crime scenes. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, they clean up after things like this. And uh, he and I went over the photographs together. We did, from those photographs, get an idea of how the blood was cleaned. And so he knew right away, um, and I'm sure uh, if you're watching, you can just go Google and you'll find these pictures. But you see where um, a spatula is used to kind of scoop up the coagulated blood. And then a, a broom and a mop are used along with water, and he knew right away that's water. And they've just made it really, really worse. Mm-hmm. He said, they've t- t- they because the concrete was not sealed real well at that time period, um, you know, in the 60s, mm-hmm. uh, he said, if you put water on blood, you make it so much worse. <clears throat> he said he basically took, uh, you know, a, kind of an elongated blood pool, and turned it into an entire slab of blood. Mm-hmm. And so he doubted if those photographs had been taken even the next day. Interesting. Uh-huh. He, he, he said it was taken either before or sometime after, after they had reformed the concrete. It was his, was his educated um, determination. Mm-hmm. I mean, none of us were there. Right. So here we have these, this conflicting information with, the different, uh, the, it's some photographs are credited to two different people. Mm-hmm. We know that both people were there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, the photographer, not knowing exactly when he took it, he said, I think it was then. I mean, and, and on the back of the photographs, it's just, it only says April 68. There's no day. Interesting. Okay. <clears throat> um, and the, the the absence of blood and then the presence of blood. And, and so the, it was confused. I don't know. It, it was basically they were kind of working against each other. And I thought this is, I, I can't make a determination. I don't want to guess. Mm-hmm. I don't want to throw information in here that's false. Right. Because this is an article about trying to find what can be verified. Right. And because I can't verify any of it, I felt like it was not. Um, it was basically in court, you'd say inadmissible, right. you know, I think it was, it was invalid evidence because I, it, it's, there's too many guesses around it. Yeah. And that makes sense. And I think, but I think why this is, why this is relevant to understand this, uh, photography thing is because one, one of the arguments from the, uh, John MacArthur defenders is that, See, the Time Magazine photographer was able to get on the scene of the crime. So clearly it wasn't as locked down as, you know, you're saying in your article. And so, but so what's interesting is that if there's no blood in the photo, then, and you're saying that there was a Time photographer that was following MLK at that time, those photos were taken the day before. That doesn't really disprove the fact that MacArthur wouldn't have been able to access the crime scene, right? 
No. And, and it would be very likely if, if these two men worked for the same company, it would be very likely that he would be admitted. Mm-hmm. Because there was already one of them on, on the site. Right. He had a camera crew traveling with him. The, the famous photograph that we all recognize where poor Dr. King's been shot and he's laying backwards on the concrete and you see um, his compadres around him and, and pointing up across the street to the boarding house where the shot came from, mm-hmm. that was Joseph Lowe, the South African photographer who was there traveling with him. That's his photograph. Okay. And he was with him um, on his travels. Mm-hmm. They were doing a documentary. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So, so basically as we're kind of, we're kind of walking through this, right? So and we, we don't, in the photographs, we don't see other people wandering around. We know that the residents of the inn were there, the people mm-hmm. who were staying there. Yeah. We know that the, um, I think you call them innkeepers. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever used that word before. Yeah. <laughs> so talking about the nativity. Exactly. <laughs> um, his wife, uh, which the Lorraine was named after, when she saw Dr. Kingshot, she had a heart attack. Wow. So he was with her at the hospital, and she died the next day. Wow. So it makes sense that his brother would be there. Mm-hmm. And that, and that they would clean up the blood. Yeah. So, okay, so... Sometimes people don't realize that the families end up... Families actually a lot of times have to take care of that. Oh, yeah, for sure, Totally. Um, and so it was, we're kind of, we're kind of like, we're going through the list, right. Of the claims that MacArthur made. So one was that there's no corroborating evidence that he was in Evers office in the, in the NAACP headquarters in Jackson. Right. Cause I mean, Perkins is saying one thing, Evers is saying another thing and none of them put MacArthur in that, in that position where he found out. So that, that was a big part of his story. Uh, then the other side well, of it. We don't know if he and Perkins were in Evers' office, mm-hmm. and a lady came up to them because Doctor Perkins doesn't ever say where he arrived back to. Correct. Yeah. We know that he had been in a roll school, and when he got back mm-hmm. to wherever he was, yeah. But we do know that Charles Evers was not present in that office. Mm-hmm. Right, and 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 that that is and a that major... there was no man who burst through the door. It right. was a lady and kids who ran out, you know, who, who ran out to meet Dr. Perkins. Mm-hmm. And and also the fact that Evers was not in his office directly talking to MacArthur about what's going on in their community when somebody burst in through the door to tell them, right? That's right. Evers was not standing there speaking to Dr. MacArthur, mm-hmm. and the man came in because he was on his way to Natchez. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay, so 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 that so that's that's discrepancy number one. Discrepancy number two that we dealt with was even getting on to the property at the motel and the boarding house. He would have had to get through the curfew, would have had to get through the police security line to even just get to the hotel, let alone get into the you know bathroom and all that kind of stuff. So that's this to me that's discrepancy number two that needs to be there, cleared there's up. There's also there's also other evidence that suggests. That the photographer who said that he arrived later uh, may have arrived perhaps the next night. Okay. In that he describes a very dead city. Mm-hmm. Which if he arrived late, it probably would have been dead. Yeah. 
Um, that curfew was out. <clears throat> People were inside and police were all out. Mm-hmm. However, there was also a tree crew, city sanitation crew, uh, between the boarding house and the Lorraine Motel were overgrown bushes and trees that kind of obscured the view from the boarding house bathroom window to the Lorraine balcony. And at some time during the night, an entire crew came and cleared the entire hill, loaded it up, carried it off. Mm-hmm. By the next morning, it was all gone. So we know that there were people there that the sanitation crew was there cleaning up. It would not have been a dead night. Yeah, it would have been pretty noisy. It would have been pretty loud. <clears throat> okay, so 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 there so there's that issue too. Um, and if anyone wants information, they can also find that in the 1999 civil lawsuit that uh, the King family won mm-hmm. against the DA's office. Okay. Here. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and then the other discrepancy is, uh, whether MacArthur would have been able to have access to the, uh, the bathroom where the, where the shot was taken from. And I think coupled between the police reports and FBI reports, as well as with his own, his own description of the bathroom does not fit the description of the actual bathroom where it took place. So that's discrepancy number three. I feel like those are three, essentially three pretty major parts of his story that it's like if those didn't happen is there still a story i I don't know what i don't know what the the truth is it it may be different events that have become one Mm -hmm. he may have visited the civil rights museum at some point and gone and onto the balcony although people weren't Allowed on the balcony until uh, I, I forgot what year, but um, mm-hmm. so even that's it for you, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the story is. I, I can say what if, what if, what if. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to hear from him. Yeah, but I, I think he's given an answer, and, and, and well, uh, I mean, even it's it's like even I it, make it spawn and answer questions. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean, like, even in his answer that I'm looking for, he's saying, I was absolutely with that group of men who traveled to Memphis. And he described that he was there a couple out, like, a few hours later. I mean, it's like, that's not something you get mixed up or, you know, whatever it is. And, it, and I think especially, too, because there's so much detail that's given. I think that that's what's causing a lot of us to question, like, okay, is this story real? Did this really happen? Or not, because there's so much detail, and he says, I'll never forget that night. And then he and then he t- says it. And it's like, but what really happened? Because clearly there's discrepancies in the story. And I don't think either you or I or many other people want to call, want to say that he's lying or call him a liar. We're, I feel like we're trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, please respond, clear this up, you know, that sort of thing. But it's like, what are we supposed to do with a story like this? <laughs> I tell you what he needs to do is he needs to get some new advisors. Yeah. He needs to get some new PR people because they responded entirely inappropriately. As soon as he released his statement, they were releasing stuff questioning his statement. Mm-hmm. 
Well, let's let, let, let's let's attacking people, attacking me, inventing stories. It, it, it looks bad. It all looks bad. This is not handled well. Yeah. Well, okay. So so let's let's do Arthur's story. I think it has been lost in this, and so I hope that he will actually recognize the inappropriate handling of this and how it has made him look, how it has reflected upon him, and he needs to speak for himself. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure there is a reasonable explanation. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's got to be. But let but let let's deal with the response. Um, I know that you've had Phil Johnson, who's his executive director, respond. You have Han Cho, who's an attorney, who I believe is either a deacon or an elder at Grace Community Church. And you've also had Fred Butler, who's a staffer over at uh, Grace to You. They've all they've all responded and trying to poke holes in it and questioning everything and. A personal attacks against you and that sort of thing for you obviously you're not necessarily running in this scene and this crowd and that sort of thing like what what has this been like for you coming into this experience and it's like all of a sudden you're in their direct focus and we gotta we gotta take her out <laughs> um scary yeah <laughs> very scary um very hurtful mm-hmm it's scary enough to publish this because you want to tell 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 the truth for, to what you the best you can with what with your limited information, but you know that people are, will be upset mm-hmm. anytime somebody is um, very well loved and. Of course, I have my own little, you know, fan club of stalkers. So I knew that these like five people were gonna were gonna just completely wig out. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I was panicking about that too because oh, it's just you know, it's it's just hard to have people that just hate you. Yeah. Uh, w- welcome, <laughs> welcome to my world. All <laughs> <laughs> right. But I never, um, I wasn't prepared for. For members uh, in, in eldership and in pastoral positions to come out and flat out lie and demonize you in front of the world. Mm-hmm. What 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 are some, what are some of the lies that they've told about you? That was absolutely repulsive. Yeah. Now, what what are the what are some of the lies that that they that that you or that they've told about you? That I have an axe to grind with MacArthur, first of all. Mm-hmm. When I lost my church to this social justice thing. I found in him, and I hadn't heard of him before last year, but I found in him somebody who I thought was strong and going to stand up for this. This is not easy for me. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you. It's not easy to be disappointed again. I've already been disappointed by my own church. Mm-hmm. I've already lost that. Yeah. Another one was that I didn't write, I didn't write it. The author was Brandon House from Worldview Weekend. Mm-hmm. Anyone who reads my work recognizes my writing. Yeah. And they will be able to tell you that that was mine. Mm-hmm. In fact... In a couple of them, I was not named. I was a sycophant. I was a fake news friend. And out to lie. 
All I did was report facts. There's not a single ounce of opinion in that article. Mm-hmm. And people read it to find something to attack. That's irresponsible and completely dishonest, especially for men who are representing Christ. And they're doing a poor job of it. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree. And I think, and I think it's, 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 it's weird. It's this thing where their only response is to like pose conspiracy theories. It's like, yeah. it's like, well, Paige didn't really write it. It was really Brandon Howes. You know, he's the, he's the mastermind that's coming up with all this stuff to try to, it's, it's this conspiracy theory. It's literally like, there's like a secret government running the government behind the government. And so we're going to attack that government, even though it it's the politicians that are responsible. It's like it, here, it's like, we're going to attack somebody who doesn't have anything to do with it, who didn't write it, who didn't do anything like that, but we're going to tie him with that. So that way we can then discredit the story. <laughs> and it was completely bizarre. Yeah. Completely bizarre. I'm like, on the one hand, I'm kind of like, well, they're saying all this bad stuff, so at least they're not saying it in my name. But on the other hand, I'm like, I worked for months on this. <laughs> and Dad, come in. I mean, I don't ask for much. I just at least want to, I don't want to have my work stripped from me. Yeah. Well, and, and, what's, and what's interesting. I, think I want my name to go under my paintings. Right. I write. I want my name to go under that article. It was my butt on the line here. Yeah, I prayed and cried about this for months. If you're gonna, if you're gonna decimate me anyway, anyway, you better well do it to my name. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and there article. You what? I said because I'm proud of that article. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, and you know, it's, it's well documented. It's it's well cited, and you know that sort of thing. But you've got you've got Phil Johnson who released his statement that was on Twitter. You've got. Han Cho, who's that attorney from Grace that posted on Phil Johnson's website. You've got Fred Butler that posted on his on his website that then was picked up by Pulpit and Pin. And what's interesting is they're all saying the same thing. They're all trying to pose this conspiracy theory that this is a secret conspiratorial work of Brandon Howes to well, here. Let me let me see what this headline was that I I printed the headline. This is on uh, Fred Butler's article on Pulpit and Pin. Brandon Howes manufactures false narrative on John MacArthur and then gives no evidence. Mm-mm. You know, and it's, it's he, did include, he did include a news clip showing that he did include a newspaper clip that corroborated Charles Evers story mm-hmm. that he provided, which is available in my article. <laughs> there you go. I mean, well, thank you very much. <laughs> Yep, he said he went to Jackson. Good job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you know, and so really, I feel like this this comes down to it's not necessarily sinister motivations. It's not necessarily that we're not we're not sitting here just saying John MacArthur's a liar and needs and he's disqualified from ministry forever and he needs to leave right now. All we're saying is, look, you presented the facts, you wrote this article. Let, let's deal with the facts of it. But to date, out of all the responses, I have not seen a single legitimate response to your article disproving anything that you've said. And that that's what's interesting to me about all the blowback. There hasn't been any. Yeah. People people keep saying, look, uh, John Perkins' book shows that they were in Memphis. Well, they're repeating that because they haven't actually looked at the page that they're sharing around, which only says that 
Pastor MacArthur was with Dr. Perkins, and no one has disputed that. Yeah. We already know that they were friends. We already know that they worked together. Mm-hmm. No one has disputed that. Yeah. But we don't know where they were. <laughs> True. And we know that they weren't with Charles Evers. Yeah. Well, the, the, and the other side of it, too, is that I know that I think it was uh, Phil Johnson and a couple of the people on Twitter were posting the screenshot of that Time magazine photograph, which says that it was taken um, of him standing on a toilet in a bathroom. But then then they highlight that to say, oh, look, see, e- even the Time photographer was able to get in there. But then they missed the very next line, which says in a different room, possibly even in a different building. And it's yeah, like, probably, so probably next probably next door, but it may not be next door. Yeah. And, and if you, and if you actually go and you read the photographer's responses and you actually have to do homework and find his responses, cause it's not in that article. Mm-hmm. You'll know that he had to crawl through that building. I doubt that they somehow crawled through this derelict building after making it past everybody mm-hmm. with no one noticing this group of people. <laughs> And then crawled through a building when everyone knew within seconds exactly where the shot came from. Yep. There was no mistake. He says, I, we were shown where he fired the shot. Who were they shown by? Everybody knew. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I feel like that. Identified by the people on the street. James Earl Ray came running out of the boarding house with a box and a comforter on top of it, dropped it in front of a record store, and ran off. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody knew where he came from. They're like, yeah, he's been hanging out in that bathroom all day. Yeah. People on the street saw. Everybody knew. Mm -hmm. No one would have made them crawl through a random dark building to find that toilet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so I, I... a photographer would do to get a good shot right true that, that i mean that that's very true and, I, and I, th- I think i think the problem that we have here is that and this is the problem that that i've had with the grace to you guys is that again i grew up in a macarthur family i grew up very pro macarthur um and but what i've said consistently is i think his staffers and his supporters make him look bad and I think in this instance, they're making him look guilty, whether he is or not. And a lot of it is because they refuse to deal with the facts. They are only doing personal attacks, trying to discredit you. And they're posing wild conspiracy theories of people of like a, sha- a sh- like this shadow movement to destroy John MacArthur instead of actually just deal with the facts. And, and I think they're making MacArthur look guilty, whether he's innocent or guilty of lying. And in all reality, I, th- I think you and I have talked about this. There's a very, very more than likely chance that this is just him misremembering or getting the facts wrong or getting the timeline wrong or, you know, whatever it is, it's not an intentional lie. But they, But the way that they're responding to me is making it look like, He's guilty whether he is or not. And that's on them. Maybe probably even more than MacArthur. Exactly. That's why I said he's, I really encourage him. Dr. MacArthur, you've got to look at these guys. Look at them. This is not, this is not how you want to present yourself. They are making you look bad 
there is a reasonable explanation and we are ready to hear it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so honestly, I, I hope, I hope that he will respond. I mean, at this point, I don't know if he will, but you know, I, I, I hope he will. Cause I feel like this is something that it come it comes to me, it comes down to his credibility. It comes down to, is he, is he trustworthy in this? And I think, I think if he would just come out, come forward and say, Hey, you know what? I may have gotten some facts wrong or, you know, unintentionally embellished or whatever it is, you know, I apologize for any confusion. That would be the end of the story to me. Right. I mean, this didn't have to go to press yeah. or it could have gone to press with two sides. That was the other thing I was going to ask you was because you, you reached out directly to, uh, to MacArthur to try to get a statement from him, right? Mm, yes, that's correct. Through it, his, through his personal assistant. Okay. And so, and so you, you had left a message with, his, with his personal assistant to try to get to him, right? That's correct. I identified myself by name, my phone number, uh, the website I wrote for, you know, identified this as a media inquiry, repeated my name, repeated my number, repeated my website. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, th- so they, they, they had every opportunity to respond, right? That's correct. Yeah. So it's not like you just called and left a message with like a random secretary in, in this big mega church <laughs> and, you know, and then you're shocked that they don't respond. No, I went straight to his personal assistant. Okay. So she's his right. She's his right hand gal. Okay. Right hand man, right hand gal. Yeah. <laughs> so, so to me, it's like okay, I get, I get. He's a busy. And, and if she didn't tell him, he may need to get a different assistant. <laughs> that would be At true. This point, but this, this big humbug, I think I may be considering that. <laughs> yeah. Well, because because that's the thing. It's like to me. If you if you get a media inquiry and you you want to comment on a story you know and that sort of thing it's like if you wanted to respond the, he could have passed it off to Phil or Phil Johnson he could have passed it off to whoever he wanted to respond but they chose not to so to me you can't now come back and complain that you weren't a part of the story or it's only one side or you know whatever it is when they didn't respond <laughs> mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It just th- this whole thing just seems so overblown and unnecessary, and that that that's my take on it, you know. And I don't, I just, I don't know. At this point, it's just like, what's any of us supposed to do with this information now? I don't know. I mean, it, 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 it's definitely not been handled well. Yeah. Not professionally. Mm-hmm. Not honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't just, I'm sorry, that, that is just wrong. You cannot just go out there and lie about people. These are people who represent Christ. Mm-hmm. It's inexcusable. Yeah. We already have a bad enough name in the world. I've had people coming to me saying, I think he's lying. Solely based on the behavior of those who are supposedly representing him. Mm-hmm. He really needs to think about that. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I, I've dealt with this similar thing of dealing with the whole James White interfaith dialogue situation and how Phil jumped in and then all he did, he did the same thing he did to you. He jumped in and then he just started making personal attacks against Brandon Howes and he started making personal attacks against me. And it was the, I think it's the strategy that they use over and over and over again to just discredit the opposition. Because if you can discredit the opposition, you don't have to deal with the argument. You don't have to deal with the facts. You don't have to deal with anything. You just discredit them. And then if they go down, the story goes down with it. And I feel like for the the last couple of years, 
the strategy doesn't work. I think I feel like they're exposing themselves for this poor, ungodly behavior. Mm-hmm. And, and and the story isn't down. The story's mm-hmm. not coming down. Yeah. The story's going to stay up. And, and when people Google his name, that's going to come up. Mm-hmm. For sure. And so, uh, so you know, kind I would of... Love to, I, I would love to update it. Yeah. If it would respond. Yeah. And they and they still haven't responded. It's, it's been how many weeks? As it is now. Yeah. And it's been how many weeks and they haven't responded yet? Three. Well, yeah. wait. Is it, has it been three weeks? Maybe. I don't know. Like I can't remember. Ever, this whole, this past time has just yeah. been... Woo. Yeah. It's a blur. <laughs> so, so... Basically, as as we're kind of wrapping up and that sort of thing, for for people that are following this this story and this controversy and that sort of thing, how how are we supposed to respond? Like, I feel like we have this information, we see the discrepancies, we're seeing a big celebrity megachurch pastor who's not responding and sending his guys out to destroy anybody who you know comes against them. What are we supposed to do with this as believers in the church and that sort of thing? Because I feel, to me, I feel like this kind of behavior shouldn't be tolerated. So in your position, in your, you know, your opinion, what are we supposed to do with that? You know, I can't answer that. All I, all I can do is is to say, read through it again. Look into it more. You be the investigator. And that's why I ask questions, because, see, we don't have all the answers. I didn't want to make a flat, any flat assertions. And, and, and everybody's just going to have to come to the conclusion that they come to. Uh, and so I can't answer definitively for everybody because they may not reach the same conclusions. Um, I haven't heard from another side. I've also been attacked by his, his compadres now. And so I, I, I'm a little biased at this point in time that Mr. Evers is definitely telling the truth (laughs) (laughs) because suddenly I'm the bad guy and it doesn't look well. It makes it look like he's lying. Exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But it's not written that way. People don't need to listen to me. They need to read it and decide for themselves. And, And that's all I can say because we don't have the answers. And so, uh, I don't know that, um, you know, this isn't an easy answer case. It, it, Mr. MacArthur has not gone and slept around on his wife, you know. He, by all uh, appearances, nothing like that is an issue where, where, where adultery would be so very clear. Mm-hmm. It would be so, you know, it would, my response now would be different. Right. Um. But, but, so that's all I can say is just decide for yourself. And I, I don't know what to tell you after that. Mm-hmm. For sure. Totally. And so, you know, I think, I think people need to remember that our loyalty is to Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and that we are never to trust the word of authority only because they are in positions of authority. Uh, we're not supposed to be blind sheep. We're supposed to be. Koreans. Mm-hmm. And so just to, no matter who it is, this goes for everybody. Uh, don't worship people on TV. Don't worship people on the radio. Don't, don't become 
an idolater of man. Mm-hmm. And recognize that the people that we trust may sometimes make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that also doesn't mean that they're horrible people. Yeah. That, that's true. And, and, I, and, I, think, and I think it's important because I, I, t- I remember telling somebody, and I think I've told this story before, but we need, we need to stop we need to stop relying so much on these, especially the, the celebrity pastors and the big name people. We can use them to springboard for our study in God's word. But we shouldn't be saying, well, John Piper says this, so this is what I believe. Or that John MacArthur says this, so this is what I believe. It's read their books, but then do your own study, just like what you're saying. It's like, hear what you have to say, but then go do your own research. And I feel like that's what we need right now, as opposed to everybody has this blind loyalty to their favorite celebrity person. Any any kind of discrepancy or any kind of like criticism of their teaching or their behavior or their decisions or whatever it is is viewed as oh, you're calling them a heretic or you're anathematizing them. It's like, no, they may have just been wrong on this one area. And I feel like, I feel like that way in this, it's like, no, MacArthur may just have been, he may have misremembered. He may have his facts wrong. He may have his timeline wrong. I mean, that's easy to do after 50 years. But when you started telling the the story 10 years ago, to me, it's like, it's worth the clarification to make sure that you're always supporting the truth. And to me, the truth is the most important thing. And I, feel, I, I do think he owes it to Dr. Evers. That's true. Especially because he, he, did, he did say that they were friends, too. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I, I definitely think he owes a clarification to Mr. Evers. Yeah, for sure. But, but yes, like you were saying, I, I do think sometimes we're too quick to pick up the pitchforks. Mm-hmm. We forget that uh, shepherds are just men. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sometimes make mistakes. Yeah. Just like we do, yeah. we're all human. And, and that, and that's, <laughs> yeah, and that, and that's okay. Like that's the thing. It's like it's okay to make mistakes. The to me, the thing is, criticism isn't like you're saying. Criticism yeah. is not an automatic accusation that everything is awful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, the important thing is we all we own our mistakes. We apologize. We repent. We fig- we learn from it, and we and we move on. And whether that's something that we did intentionally or even we did unintentionally, you know, even doing something unintentionally, if you do something wrong, it's like, okay, I messed up. I didn't try to, but I still did. And I think that, you know, even, even in in this case, let's just say it wasn't, let's just say it wasn't intentional. To me, you should still own up to it. You should still Mm -hmm. clarify or just in all reality, just clear it up in general. Just say, look, I don't, I don't know what these police reports are saying, but I just remember what I what I experienced, you know? So anyways, I, you know, I, I, th- I think in all reality, I think here, you know, we've been going for about an hour, hour and a half or so, but I, I feel like we kind of cleared up a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of the responses and a lot of the conspiracy theories that are posted up there. And I, and I think in, in all reality, that's what it is. And I think, and I think it's important that we call things to what they are is because, it's just a, it's a bunch of conspiracy theories that try to discredit you, discredit the story, as opposed to just dealing with the facts. <laughs> while while screaming at me, consist like I'm a conspiracy theory. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's you accuse the other side of doing exactly what you're doing. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I've been I've been dealing this with for two years. It's 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 been no, it's been nonstop. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. I need to pray for you more. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, I appreciate it. 
Um, but yeah, but anyways, I just want to thank you for, you know, for sitting down with me and kind of, you know, just going over all this, but also being brave enough to, to write that article, even though, I mean, you had, you had to see it coming in the sense of that there probably would be blowback from defenders and that sort of thing. And so, you know, it takes, it takes a a lot of guts to go up against the machine, you know? So, you know, but yeah. I don't know if it's guts or naivete. (laughs) You what? I said, I don't know if it's guts or naivete. (laughs) Yeah, Either one, it works out. (laughs) So, okay. Well, again, I thank you very much. And, you know, down, down the line, you know, writing something else interesting, we should probably definitely have you back on and we'll, we'll talk about it and converse and, and, and we'll go from there. Thank you, I'd love to. Of course. Well, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor. Honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org.